Yes, sir. This has been a pretty exciting week for us. I know. I watched The Bad Batch. That was pretty fun. Yeah, you you watch a Star Wars show. No, uh, after months of planning and talking and discussing and research and all this stuff, we finally, as you know, released our uh, co-show. Is that is that what we can call it? Yeah, we'll we'll call it the companion show. Uh, dedicated to board games and tabletop stuff, and we brought in a good friend of ours, Owen. Uh, and and this has just been I don't know it's always exciting launching something new it it gives me great joy knowing that uh, we can actually discuss something specific <laughs> unlike unlike this show where we talk about everything and and anything look man you're the only one who wants to continually talk about a scooter I've moved on from it no one no no one ever moves on from the scooter Do you know what I haven't uh, moved on from yet what's that the scene on screen podcast. Hey, whether it's your favorite tabletop adventure, movie, or video game, we've got you covered. Welcome to the scene on screen podcast with your hosts, Sean and David. Hello, 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 friends on the interwebs. Sean and David here. Around the world. We are excitable and excited. It's been a busy week, as David alluded in our intro. We we launched our companion show, which is currently needing a name. And this is where we need everybody's help. We're going to have some fan votes, if you will. Um, But... The overall show went fantastic. I listened back to it um, just before we released it. And I got to say, I learned stuff from you and Owen. And as the host, taking my uh, myself into the third person and listening to you guys answer the questions more intently, opposed to me just trying to find keywords to keep the conversation going. You guys were really on the ball. And I think the dynamic that we have with uh, with our friend Owen and a few other special guests that are coming along the way are going to really make insert name podcast here <laughs> very successful. But for yeah. now, if you guys are looking for it and you missed out on our Instagram posts, it's currently under scene on screen table talk that will change. But. Yeah, it'll eventually get posted under its own separate show, its separate entity, but uh, it's still us. Um, the, the the episode that we released, if you guys haven't listened to it, pause this episode right now and go and listen to that one and then come back to this one. Uh, we talked about intro to board games, kind of how to get your friends in there and give some suggestions on which games are good ones to play for people who aren't really into like, you know, people who just play monopoly and all that stuff. Now I need to tell you this, Sean, I got a message from one of our listeners uh, today who, who joined in on the festivities of listening to our grand release of our tabletop show. Mm-hmm. And he sent me a picture and he said, you're, you are a bad influence. And he bought Machi Koro and Ku. Two of the games that we talked about in that episode. So 
you know, we're, we're making a good impression on people already. So nice. Was that sent to the Instagram or did you know the person who listened? I, I know the person directly, but it doesn't matter. Still, still just... a listener and still still was influenced. So uh, that show is a bi-weekly show. So first one was released on the uh, most important holiday of the year, um, May the 4th, Star Wars Day. So our next one will be released in about two weeks. Uh, that comes out every Tuesday. So be sure to listen or keep your ears out for that one. Yeah, for weeks. the next episode of Tabletop Tuesdays. Yeah, it should actually point. be the better name. <laughs> yeah. So, but aside from that, we got a great show planned for today. Yeah. Do you want me to uh, quickly go over the topics before we get into it? Yeah. What's our What's our itinerary today? Our Our itinerary, not our itinerary. <laughs> um, we've That's got. What I said we've got some news where Sony made a little bit of a splash with uh, Discord upsetting Microsoft. We got a Microsoft confidential review leaked. And we have the epic battle between Epic and Apple spilling into Microsoft. And some of the redacted documents and emails have been released to the public. Finally, we will be talking about our favorite holiday. May the 4th be with you. Revenge of the Sith. And because Bad Batch dropped on Tuesday, it's going to be a little bit different than our Marvel stuff because you guys are listening to the show Friday morning anyways. And... We'll just say spoiler alert at the end when we talk about the Bad Batch. It's not going to be as big as the Marvel stuff because it's going to be a more direct audience, but we will still review and give our thoughts on the first episode. And it's going to be very interesting as David's education level on a lot of that Star Wars stuff is a little bit higher than mine. I forget a lot of characters names. He tells me Michael Keaton's and everything. It'll be a blast. That's only Batman. And Spider-Man. Anyways, he was in Spider-Man. Um... Damn. First thing I guess I got to ask you is, A, how are you? And B, aside from the board game show and the Bad Badge, have you watched or played anything differently this week? Um, I have been playing through Pokemon Crystal, <laughs> to be honest. You have a TV uh, and you're playing on a two-inch screen. You know, a three-inch, thank you very much. You know what? There's just something so satisfying about pulling out your your Game Boy and playing some of those games. Now, I I did, for anyone who remembers, I did put together a Game Boy Color from parts, random parts that I bought. Um, But playing with a backlit screen, you know, it just is so much more satisfying. I can play it pretty much anywhere. I have a, a Game Boy Advance here, and I'm... And I'm waiting for a backlit screen to come in. I should get that actually uh, early, early next week. Um, and it's one of these things. Like I was kind of playing it for a little bit, but I'm I'm amazed that this is how we had to suffer <laughs> so many years ago. You know, you need to have either a light directly on the system. You have to be in like direct sunlight. If you're playing in any sort of like dim lighting, it's a pain in the ass to see the screen. Like, man, we're, we're lucky. So, anyways, yeah, I've been playing my Game Boy Color, crushing Pokemon Crystal. And I believe you saw Mortal Kombat, right? Oh yeah, and I saw Mortal Kombat, which was uh, surprisingly good for a uh, video game based movie. Somebody gave me the review of I asked if uh, I should watch it or if I should wait. 
And uh, I was complaining to you because I got the uh, I got a popcorn and movie combo from a local establishment and their web portal. They don't explicitly say it on any of the um, the food ordering apps, but it doesn't include home premieres. So we were kind of disappointed because we wanted to watch that or I was going to watch nobody. So and now I'm just going to wait until they're not on home premiere and then I'll. How much did you? How much did you pay for that combo to get that popcorn and movie rental? Two large, uh, large popcorns, two candies, and two drinks plus a movie rental was twenty five dollars. Okay, so (laughs) you you paid twenty five bucks for. So if we were to divide up the the price of everything, you know, you're probably about fifteen to twenty dollars for snacks. And then five dollars for the movie rental, right? So you wanted them to give you a brand new release movie rental for the equivalent of like five bucks. Well, that's the thing. So anything that like anything that's not home premiere is used on it. So anything that's new, let's say man, I couldn't even tell you a movie that came out in December that people saw in theaters, because that wouldn't have been possible. But let's say a movie came out in October and it went like it's now available on DVD. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you could rent that like Trolls or Scoob or stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, Because that was October. It's now May. Yes. I was a little upset about it. But like once a month, Chris and I like to do the whole like we can't go out anywhere. We've been locked down for 14 goddamn months. Yeah. We haven't gone to a movie theater for a, almost two years now. Or like, I think, since- you know, when when things open up we first should thing make sure first thing we, we should do it together leave leave the the girlfriends at home <laughs> we need to go on a date a mandate i like it didn't you didn't i hear before this show i heard uh your significant other say something about me like not trying to win you over again or something like that yeah no stealing <laughs> no stealing you yeah too late Already stolen. <laughs> I've already won. Yeah. So I was gonna watch it. We're um we'll watch it eventually. I'm not in a huge rush. The review that I was telling you about that I got from uh somebody was saying that it was like a very much the he did the thing kind of movie. So you just go in, you expect Sub Zero to say, Come here and finish him and all that mm-hmm. kind of crap. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's pretty much the movie. So well the the I think the movie's a little bit more than just waiting for the taglines of some of the characters. Uh, the, the story itself is kind of shallow, like any other uh, video game based movie. Um, but it's fun. Like, so Angela and I were watching it and it's, you know, Mortal Kombat, right? How like it's gory, like the mm-hmm. games are gory. You know, you can pull someone's s- skull off with their spine attached, <laughs> right? Um, it's gory, gory, gory. And Angela was just like grossed out by it, but so intrigued, right? Like she kept, like, she just kept having to watch it. Um, and it's, it's, I don't know. It just was, you're watching it for this. The story is good enough that it keeps the movie like going forward. Right, it's a coherent story for sure. It's not like the Monster Hunter movie where it just is trash, um, and 
it has like a lot of like the call outs or the throwbacks to the, the characters from the games and they put some spins on some of them so that it makes you kind of invested in the characters themselves. Um, it, it, it was well done. I thought like the action scenes and the fights and stuff like that were really, were really cool. It kind of was t- to an extent, like an origin story for some of the characters but it wasn't like the superhero equivalent of an origin story where you're like, oh my God, you know, so-and-so's uncle died or it's like, oh, their parents are dead or, oh, oh he has to fight a dragon and become prince of king of the land, right? <laughs> it's just like, it, it just explains kind of very quickly the, the backstory of s- some of the characters. Like there's a, a singular main character, which the story is like, you know that he's kind of, the the main important character in all of them, but everyone kind of holds their own as well. Yeah. Uh, and by the end of the movie, like I was like, okay, you know what? This is, this is pretty good. I, I really enjoyed this, but I also enjoyed the, the old Mortal Kombat movies cause they're fun and stupid. Right. So, but I've also read that the odds of it, um, getting a sequel are fairly low now. Why is that? So it didn't make enough money. And they wanted to move on it quick. Mortal. Interesting. But Combat. see, the thing is, it's like when you release it on. Um... You have to remember only Ontario is the only place you can't go to the movie theater. Yeah, but was it released in theaters, though? Yeah. But just because you can't go to the movie theater in Ontario doesn't mean that people are going to the movies elsewhere. Right? Like, um, I know that people are still very cautious of doing things like that or movie theaters are still limited in the number of uh, seats that they can have open per theater. Right. Yep. So just because um, a movie theater is open, like when they were open here prior to lockdown number six or whatever we're in, uh, there was a maximum of like 10 people in a theater that would otherwise seat like a hundred. Right. So even if you have the movie playing four times in a day, that's still only a maximum of 40 people who can see that movie versus 400 people. Right. So it it's kind of stupid that movie theater or studios are determining whether or not a movie is, uh, worthy of a sequel based off of sales during the pandemic. I think it also has a little bit to do with how it's received, right? Um, let me let me look up the the medic score for it. So the the user reviews, I thought it was like last time I checked, it was around around like eighty seven or eighty eight. Fifty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes, forty four percent on Metacritic, six point two on IMDb. But are those the critic ratings? Uh, user score is 6.3. So it's still not that great on IMDB. 6.3 is actually pretty average. No, no, this is Metacritic using all user scores. Okay. Well, let's see. Uh, Ron tomatoes, uh, mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. So on, uh, 
Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the critic score currently as of today is uh, 54%, but the audience score is 86%. Yeah, and but I, I, don't, like- I don't follow Rotten Tomatoes because it's owned by IGN. And it's stupid and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, did, you, so- did you know cable companies use Rotten Tomato ratings for their movies? So when you're going through the, like, the TV guide, you can actually see the Rotten Tomato now? Interesting. Yeah, I had no idea until I saw this the other day. I was just like, what the F? That's a, that's a thing? Just because Rotten Tomatoes owned by IGN doesn't mean that the the critics are are owned by IGN. No, but and, as, and, as and you I know, know their bias is very, very who's paying for what review. Uh, not necessarily, but that's like, like on their main website. Anyways, and I know that we've discussed this before in past episodes. When looking at reviews, especially on, on Rotten Tomatoes, um, sure, I'll look at the overall. Like, If, if you search up a movie, it'll, it'll show you the critic score first. And you have to actually click into the movie to see what the audience score is. And I have found in my experience that my views are more in line with the audience score because these are people who like either want to see the movie. Like, critics... With whether you're a movie critic, a food critic, or just you know my parents, um, <laughs> my life critic, you know, you are there to pick it apart. Um, you're you're going to be seeing this movie regardless of whether or not it is a genre or a theme or a movie that you are interested in, and that is going to heavily influence your review. Now, granted the audience score will be heavily influenced by the same things. But the thing is, is Mortal Kombat is a prime example. This is a movie that was clearly obviously made for the fans of the Mortal Kombat series, right? So the people who like it are, or people who are going to go out of their way are either people that have played the games, really like the games or are interested in the game or the, the movie based off the game. Right. Mm -hmm. So sure. Like their, their views could be skewed in a more positive uh, manner, but that's who the movie's made for, right? Um, there's there's been times where a movie, and, and I couldn't think of any off the top of my head, but I remember seeing some movies that had fairly high or positive critic reviews, but low audience score. So it's uh, it's one of those things that... You know, you have to look at it and 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 see, okay, well, or think, is this movie something that I'm going to be, well, one, am I interested in it to begin with? Because if you have no interest in watching it, then you're not going to enjoy it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Monster Hunter. As I said, I'm just, I'm on the fence because... I believe in, like, I don't ever listen to critic reviews. The only one, like, and one of the greatest indicators of that of all time was the Justice League. So. Mm -hmm. Well, see, here's here's an example. Monster Hunter. The critic review is 46 on Rotten Tomato currently, and the audience score is 70%. Now, I watched Monster Hunter because, uh, you know, I'm not, like, a huge fan of the games, but whatever. It was it was uh, Saturday night, and I had nothing else to do, really. I was too tired to play a game. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to watch this movie. Uh, and obviously, Mila Jovich or whatever, um, 
she is in terrible movies in general. She seems to be typecast for. Um, <laughs> you want a terrible movie? We got you a terrible movie. Yeah, right. She's she's totally typecast in all of these uh, video game movies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a perfect example where the audience score uh, is is higher, still higher than the the critic score, but still not in the the eighties or nineties, which you would expect for a video game movie, right? Um, I watch it and I thought it was horrible, terrible movie. So I would agree with more of like the 46% rating, but there's people that are diehard monster fans. I know someone who, you know, same, same, actually it's the same guy who's like completely in love with like all the DC stuff. And, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, the, there's people that are absolutely totally in love with Mila Jovovich or whatever. Um, and, they will love the movie just based off of that, right? Like they had a few throwbacks or thro- uh, shout outs to the actual games, but overall the movie doesn't have much connection to the game. So I think that is also why the audience score is fairly low at only 70%, right? But with, like I said about um, Mortal Kombat is that the people who are watching this movie to begin with are going to be the people who, are interested in the monster hunter series. Right. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they gate that the movie only is only sitting at around a 70% um, audience score kind of shows that the movie itself wasn't very good. Right. Cause what was uh mortal Kombat 86? Like that's still, that's really high for a movie. Right. Uh, like, I wish it, there was a, like a net average that included IMDb. Yeah, there should be, right? So if you were to take, like, it, it's hard to say because, like, you they don't give you the exact number of audience ratings. Uh, it just says, like, 2,500 plus verified ratings. But, yeah, you're right. It should have, uh, there. it should be divided between critic scores and audience scores and then have a average rating of everything together. So you can see what the average rating is between the audience and critics. Um, because that would always change as well, right? Uh, like what movie? Actually, there was one movie that actually just lost um, its 100% um, Rotten Tomato score. Do you know which one it is? No, here's, I don't. Here's here. It's an old movie. Are you gonna? Are you, are you gonna guess? No, you, I thought you were giving me another clue besides it was an old movie. It's a very old movie, black and white. We had to watch it in school. Citizen Kane? Yeah. <laughs> it recently lost its 100% certified fresh rating because, oh my God, it's hilarious. There was a, a newspaper article from... When was it? It was like in the the forties or some sort. When did Citizen Kane come out? Nineteen forty one. Possibly. <laughs> you, you you've gone on a tangent. I'm just agreeing. I know. So anyway, so I found this thing, and this just shows how you know uh, critic scores can be skewed so much, and audience scores can be skewed so much. There was a uh, a newspaper article, um, that was found, essentially. Oh, it was from the Chicago Tribune. Of course. Uh, no, but this is from 
it's it's literally from a newspaper. It says Citizen Kane fails to impress critic as greatest ever filmed. And this is a negative review about Citizen Kane in like a 1940 some odd newspaper. And someone found it. What what year was this? May 7th, 1941. Uh, and it's a negative review. So they so walked it back. So they put this on the Rotten Tomatoes um, page for Citizen Kane, and it dropped <laughs> Citizen Kane's rating to a 99% critic review after essentially, like, well, 40 nights since 1941, since it came out, right? So in 2021, Citizen Kane dropped and is now considered a trash movie. <laughs> it was an okay movie. I agree with the family guy quote. It was about a sled. <laughs> yeah. So, so like going back to our original topic of mortal Kombat and how the studio, like how it didn't make enough money. It's studios can't look at money on a, like and that's the nature of the beast right like they're not going to make a movie if it doesn't make the money right unfortunately we're still in a time period where movies aren't going to be making as much money as they would want if theaters were open up completely right but that means you're still depending on the user score and the critic score like that's a big reason why the dc the snyderverse isn't going to happen critics hate it it's the people who want it person's like oh i want batman but at face value that movie it was a four hour garbage fire oh yeah like it still wasn't great okay maybe i'd bump it up to a seven out of ten but like if the russos all of a sudden drop this six hour um infinity war endgame dual cut jesus like what are they doing well it between the two movies it kind of is six hours Okay, so it'd be like longer. <laughs> yeah, no, and but that that's the thing though, is like can you imagine if a new Star Wars movie were released in like a, a actual full length feature film were released nowadays? Right? Like it wouldn't be pulling in the billion dollars that Disney would expect from a a movie. Yes, right? it would it's a Star Wars on it. And if Kathleen Kennedy wasn't in charge, it would make two billion dollars. <laughs> no, but it 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 wouldn't. That's the thing, though. It would still make a shit ton of money, but it wouldn't make anything close to what Disney is actually is expecting. You know, Han Solo, the Solo movie, is a prime example. That movie did not make anywhere near as much money as Disney was hoping. There was so much negative press about it. There was let alone the fact that it was a movie that people didn't really want to begin with, right? But the movie didn't make um, nearly as m- enough money. And Disney has kind of scrapped the idea of making a second and third uh, solo movie. And I'm okay with that because it was, I didn't like it. Uh, but like there were some parts in that movie that were actually really interesting. Uh, like Darth Maul was back in it, you know, we could have had a movie with Darth Maul again as the main villain, right? But we might not get that anymore because that movie didn't make much money. And that was released at a time when people could go to the movies freely, right? So 
I don't know. I still, I honestly think that there is a chance for a, uh, another Mortal Kombat movie. You know, the other thing that kind of hurts movies too, when you bring up something like Solo, it's like, you told me not to watch it. Donald Faison says it's a great movie and he loves the Star Wars. Who's Donald Faison? He was Turk in Scrubs. He was, um, why he was, why can't I think he was the main character in Clueless. So are you going to listen to some like famous schmuck or your best friend? Famous schmuck. (laughs) Well, you didn't. So anyways, we're going to move on because we've spent far too much time on Mortal Kombat. And we're going to talk about the missed opportunity that was or was not for Sony and Microsoft and Discord. I wouldn't say it was a missed opportunity for Sony. I thought it was a missed opportunity for Discord not partnering with Microsoft. However, reading the details of this quote unquote partnership, it just seems like Discord is going to be available to PlayStation users Mm -hmm. to help um, amplify the gaming experience. Mm -hmm. That's about it. Like this this is actually, this is actually pretty big news. Like it, it's actually really good for the gaming community in general. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Discord turned down an offer to be purchased by Microsoft for some like stupid amount of money, like a trillion dollars. Right? Uh, which I think personally is was a good move because then we would to to an extent, because like both Microsoft and Sony have terrible like party chat systems on their consoles. Right. So if Microsoft had bought them, it would probably turn into this whole thing. And then eventually it would turn like follow suit of Skype. (laughs) Remember how Microsoft bought Skype and then just turned to hell. No, Microsoft bought Skype to learn the infrastructure and then created teams, which is by now the far superior chat. Like it's way better than zoom could ever be. Yeah, but Skype is is still around and it's useless, right? Um, yeah, that, that's a word. <laughs> so by Microsoft not getting ownership of Discord, now there we still now Sony can partner with Discord, and we and that's what happened, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Sony didn't purchase Discord; it's just a partnership, really. So all all that's happening is. PlayStation users will be able to access Discord on their consoles, which is sweet because there's a lot of cross-platform games, you know, between PC, uh, even Xbox and PlayStation. And like, remember us trying to play uh, Call of Duty online? Yeah. Right. Like I had it on. This was back before the Series X came out, but I had uh, Call of Duty on my ps4 and you you were playing on your xbox and we're trying to do online cross-platform play and like the the chat worked but it was broken still right so now there's an another option for people to cross-platform play and chat and stuff like that i honestly would not be surprised if eventually discord shows up on xbox i think if both microsoft and sony could play nice having the ability to have discord opposed to those shitty cross porn or cross cross platform porn? chats cross porn. Yes. The cross <laughs> porns. No, like when I play call of duty with some of my friends, some of them play 
on PlayStation. And the cross-platform chat is garbage. Just garbage. So I'd be very interested to see what that sounds like or what that could look like going forward, especially if Sony players are using it. Mm-hmm. If they're doing that, could I not just use Discord to talk over my computer while I play games with that? Yeah. yeah, and you still do you you can still do that now. And that's what a lot of people do, right? Like they would have the Discord app on their phone and just go into a uh, a voice channel or something like that or or set up a voice chat with some of their friends and play that way. Uh, I think the main advantage of having it on the PlayStation system is that it is getting people to continue to use or stay within the PlayStation ecosystem, right? So like they're going to be playing cross play with their friends on PC or Xbox while their friends on PC are still using discord. Their friends on Xbox have to use a different app on their phone or connected to their PC to do that. Where if you're playing on PlayStation now, you can just use your, like you don't have to use anything else. You're still using completely your PlayStation platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it might even push sales of like the, the Sony, the pulse headset, right? Like there's, there's definitely got to be another reason why Sony would partner with discord. And if they are not making any money because discord is a free platform right like you they do have like discord nitro which just boosts your servers and stuff like that but you don't need it to do voice chat and stuff like that i think a lot of it and it's like summed up right here in the playstation um press releases our goal is to bring the discord and playstation experiences closer together on console and mobile starting early next year so 2022 allowing friends groups and communities to hang out have fun and communicate more easily while playing games together and the comment section is like, finally, I can play Call of Duty with my friends and hear them. The only thing that Discord will take away in these kind of cross-platform games, and I, I say this using the Call of Duty as an experience, if or as an example, if I'm playing with my friends exclusively on Xbox, we all sit in party chat, and our one friend plays on PC, so he can hear the game chat because he's using the live companion app on his PC. Right. So he can hear both through his headset. We can't. Mm-hmm. You can't hear game chat. When you're playing cross platform, you can hear the game chat and it gets it gives you that experience. Doing the Discord thing, I wonder if it'll allow multi channel usage, much like the companion app. Or are you listening to the game through your headset but speaking through Discord? Uh yes. That's that's what it would be. Yeah, but like, are you? Is it going to take away from the proximity chat or proximity speak in some of these titles? Uh, well, that's that's probably what it would be like, right? Like, um, if you're in a party chat on Xbox, right? Then proximity chat doesn't work in games, right? Unless they've changed that recently. Yeah. So with Call of Duty, the proximity chat only works if you're in game chat. Yeah. So. So anything that if you're using Discord, if you're in a party chat with Discord, then it would prevent you from using proximity chat in game. Mm-hmm. So it's that's that's a limitation of the the system, how it is right now, um, because you're you're taking your microphone and or yeah your mic audio and it's 
it's uh, routing it through a different a different app, right? Mm-hmm. A different program. So in order for them to have it go through both, you would have to uh, they would have to split that uh, audio signal between uh, the Discord app and the game app. But then the problem is that normally when you're in party chat, you guys are communicating a lot, right? Oh, tons, tons. Like all the time. So then that's going to completely um, affect the the in-game experience if you're trying to not alert people around you, right? <laughs> so I don't know. I, I feel like uh, over the next, I don't know, six months minimum, right? Like even if we say that it's going to release in December or January, sorry, of next year, right? So like, we got like seven months before uh, Discord will launch on the PlayStation. Uh, they they could be working with Sony to completely rewrite or update their chat protocols to allow some sort of um, switch easily to easy switching between uh, in game chat and party chat, kind yeah. of like with what Microsoft has with the uh, the Xbox party chat, right? Like I, you, I was gonna say like if you use the Microsoft companion app for like your party chat, like sometimes I'll use party chat on my phone. So like if I get an invite, but I'm not at home, I'm like, Oh yeah. What's up guys. And it's just like a phone call. But even the texting or like the messaging is a lot more fluid on your cell phone than oh, yeah. using the game. So oh, yeah. I think this is something that we could really look at and look forward to. Um, the only thing is like the jury is going to be for lack of a better word out until January, maybe February of next year. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sony will still find some way to fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> In true Sony fashion, they meant 2024. Um, <laughs> yeah. M- moving forward, we do have the Last of Us review that was leaked. And this is all part of, like, all three of our next stories, or I guess all three of our next bullets come from the same story. So, as you guys know, or for those who are living under a rock, Epic Game Store and Apple are in this insane battle for how, David, how would you best put it? The way they uh, Apple was trying to capitalize on their microtransactions by changing the the split, correct? Mm-hmm. Essentially, yeah, their their cut of any game or microtransaction sales. Mm-hmm. So Apple then removed Epic Games from their their launcher remove them from all their app stores specifically Fortnite, which caused a lot of trouble. And like David and I were going back and forth with like how Epic kind of depends on microtransactions or so I thought, especially with two other titles. Now microtransactions keep that community going. If it weren't for microtransactions, Fortnite probably would have died three years ago, which is crazy to think that that game's like seven years old, Mm -hmm. just wild. But the 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 court battle has come out and there's been some interesting topics that have kind of leaked out to the media over the last few days. One would be Microsoft or Xbox explicitly is review of The Last of Us 2, which some people found rather interesting. I do have a few co- uh, quotes. The big one that everybody's talking about today and all week was Naughty Dog still can't seem to make a decent gun, gun combat in any of their games. And this one is no exception. And everybody was just like, yo, Microsoft's clowning on Naughty Dog. It happened. I have two questions. 
Question number one. Why does Epic have this review for this court case against Apple? And two, so what? Ubisoft can't make a good stealth game, but they make a good stealth game all the time. Companies have their flaws. EA can't make a a functional sports game, but they're the only ones who do it. Mm -hmm. Actually, I should say EA can't make a functional Star Wars game. (laughs) 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 But you know what I mean, right? Like, okay, great. Microsoft's internal review that was clearly sent to somebody who had access to through Epic. They talked rather positively about this game, saying it was ahead of its time. Ultimately, it was full of praise with the portfolio team saying they loved it. They had a great time playing it and they found themselves still thinking about it. I can tell you firsthand, I played The Last of Us 2 and I was bored of it because I don't like games that t- that claim you have to be stealthy, but the moment you stand up, you're running for your life because it's like 15 against one. And there's no real exit strategy. Mm-hmm. And you found that, like, I found it was just a lot of run, run, run. And you could bypass levels if you were just able to run through, like, figure out the pattern and run through it. So the thing is, like, this, you know, you're, you're making this leaked review out to be this this big deal, you know, like Sony. And, yeah. and am I, I was, or am I, am I doing it for the purpose of what we're doing? I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't really know. <laughs> uh, and, and these articles also haven't shown the actual review. They're just kind of talking about overall what it is. I saw it. I, I, I was trying to find it on Reddit right now, but I, it's kind of buried in, in, and it's redacted to shit. No, it isn't actually. I saw one that was, I saw the complete unedited, unredacted review. Oh, so there there is one floating out there. Yeah, there is. Um, the thing is, is the review itself was actually very positive. Um, it it clearly read like a um a report, and not like not the editorialized reviews that we read all the time online now, because they are pandering to a specific like their audience, right? Whereas these internal ones, they are just they're they're just looking at the game in a is it fun? How is it put together? And our overall feelings about it. And it was a very positive review about uh, the Last of Us Two. They they said in the review that the Last of Us Two was quite possibly the best looking game on console or PC. And most which, people played it on a PS4. So what does that tell you? Well. And that's the thing, though, is like Microsoft themselves on their internal reviews are saying that The Last of Us 2 is the best looking game that they've seen. That is that is huge praise for for the game. And and the the comment that people are all like hung up on and being like, oh, my God, Microsoft totally just, you know. Destroyed. Naughty Dog by saying they still can't seem to make decent gun combat. Well, that's not a secret. You know, the gun combat in the Uncharted games were horrible, right? Like clunky, bad aiming, all this stuff. But their games have never been about gun combat. You know, the Uncharted games they had that was more about adventuring and exploration and stuff like that. And and sure, there was a decent emphasis on gun combat, but it wasn't the main the main 
point of the game, right? Same with The Last of Us too, like, and and even The Last of Us. You know, those are more about kind of exploring the world and being stealthy and finding a way to outsmart your enemies, right? And and Naughty Dog is good at that. So when when I read this and I feel like, oh, they say they they, they just ripped on on Naughty Dog. Well, that's not accurate. And that's what annoys me with some of these articles is that they all they're doing is like so the the pure Xbox talks about this, right? Uh, they say the review for Sorrow News allows us to, and it reads like any other re- review you might see in a magazine, which is not true. Like I said, it is a very like to the point. It's it's a business paper, really, when you think about it. Um, they don't need to pander to people's personal interests and all that stuff. They just are given the facts. Uh, it says giving an overview overview of how the game looks and plays. Ultimately it's full of praise with the portfolio team saying they loved it and had a great time playing it and find ourselves still thinking about it. So like that's only one part of it. And like they're leaving out the part where they actually said that it is one of the best looking games that they've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And then they emphasize, and this is like, this is where this hat article that they've, posted kind of loses its credibility to for me it says there's one line that is getting all the attention right now though and it is this naughty dog still can't seem to make decent gun combat in any of their games and this one is no exception so what it's one line in an otherwise glowing review for this game and the fact that microsoft's internal teams are giving a sony exclusive like such high praise should be enough, but no, they are taking this one little thing. You know, it's like when you buy a game or you see a movie and there's like quotes and all it is, is like amazing five stars, greatest thing, right? Mm -hmm. Like just a single word quotes. Well, sometimes when you actually read the review, it's like, it's amazing how they've managed to pull something together like this, even though it's still lacking in other aspects, right? They, they just take one word. Five stars is what I would give this if it didn't suck so much, right? Like, so you can't just take one sentence out of something like this and then extrapolate it as if the whole thing was, was, on a, a part of like the same tone and I need to find this. I'm going to find this. I'm going to send it to you. I'll post it on our Instagram or a link. It's already been linked. So I'm sure we can't get in trouble for it. Um, but I, I honestly don't know what this has to do with Epic games or Apple. Really? <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like I have no idea why this of all things was leaked in those court proceedings. If you were to talk about, let's say, Epic tried to convince Xbox to make a multiplayer free alongside the Apple fight Mm -hmm. and leaked those documents in the emails to Phil Spencer. okay, that's a little bit more on the nose. Did that happen? Yeah. The uh, link, I want to say number this one here. Um, like, yeah, so like we know what, that they've changed. Sorry, we know that they've lowered some of their fees. Oh, you want to do that one first? That's fine too. So, yes, another thing that got leaked was internal Microsoft documents reveal plans to slash cut on Xbox game sales too. 
update. Microsoft says it's not happening. Now, here's what we know this was about because this was, again, a clickbait article. And you had to read the redacted documents or the screeners of the documents to understand what they were talking about. Microsoft wasn't just going to go out there and start jacking up the prices of the games. They were going to actually reduce the cut or the profit margin that they were going to receive on digital downloads through the Epic Store as an agreement. So originally says here, and I've, I'm, I'm zooming in so I can read it properly here. It says applications, all transactions, one-time app purchases, subscriptions, in-app digital content, Microsoft store revenue share 15%. Games, all transactions, again, one-time purchase, subscription, in-app digital content, and all games, or sorry, were 30%. As of today, Microsoft was getting 30% of that cut, right? Mm-hmm. That's the way I, I'm reading that. Yep, yep. All and, games and, would move to, an, sorry? And on that, uh, Sony and Nintendo also take 30% of uh, game sales. For the Epic Game Launcher. No, no, for like for on their platforms as well. All right. Yeah. But this is specifically with Epic, if I'm reading the article correctly. Yes. As far as I understand. Yeah. So Microsoft do an Epic a favor because they're not Microsoft does not under any circumstance want free to play games to affect their Xbox Live which would be Epic Games. That would be Raven Studios right now with Call of Duty mm-hmm. Modern, or, uh, Modern Warfare or Warzone. Um, but Microsoft does these guys a favor by saying all games will move to an 88-12 in calendar year 21. So that's 12%. They were going to literally undercut themselves to other companies through this portal by 18%. And this was leaked out as a negative? I I don't understand. Like, is Epic just being like, well, Microsoft's going to do this. Why won't Apple? Apple's its own company. Apple's going to do yeah. what Apple's going to do. And Apple, for every stretch of the imagination, has their ability to charge whatever the fuck they want. Do you know why? Because they're proprietary. Their stuff works with their stuff. And if you are going to be a company that is going to make a game that is going to work on Apple's platform, that is your own fault. Straight up. Do you know why mm. EA doesn't make a ton of games for Apple? Because it's fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They can't monetize it as much as they, they want. Right? Like, we've talked about it on this show numerous times. Carissa mm. owns every single pack for The Sims. Four. Yeah, for The Sims 4 that has ever been released. And she's got some of them at incredible discounts. But when she buys them new, she can't she can't get the, the Steam Humble Bundle for Windows. No, she's got to pay Mac prices. She's paying the Mac tax. Mm-hmm. Just like the Nintendo tax. That's also there. So, the, I don't know. For, for me, reading some of these articles and seeing that Microsoft's actually doing something good, and being like, hey, we're, we're trying to help you out here. And they're just dragging them into this for no reason. Yeah. It, it's it's tough to read, man. It's it's hard to kind of feel like Microsoft is in the bad. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost as if like they're trying to paint Microsoft in this negative light. 
in a way or or actually you know what they're what they're trying to do is they're trying to just paint apple in a worse light than they already are mm-hmm. right because they're like oh well microsoft is doing this they are one you know they're the other biggest um software company in the world right uh why why can't apple like you know it it's just it's a bunch of children can, you know, can i read a, quote a little here? quabble yeah um so it says here if microsoft does adapt the 8812 revenue share for games sold on xbox it would significantly shake up the console business model microsoft sony and nintendo make millions each year from the sale of third-party games on their platforms such a reduction would reduce this revenue significantly if microsoft goes ahead with this cut would sony and nintendo feel obligated to do the same no no they wouldn't but Microsoft doesn't need this cut anymore because they invented Game Pass, the most miraculous gaming thing ever. Mm-hmm. They they clearly know what they're doing. Their marketing and strategy team is far beyond anything we've ever seen or experienced in our lifetime or in anybody's lifetime, for that matter, when it comes to game sharing and DRM. Well, I mean, you don't own anything. You own a license or a rental agreement to play these games. If you want to physically buy the game or buy it digitally and own the DRM for it, awesome. But Microsoft has seemingly reinvented the rental system to to the point that they're willing to take a hit here so they could put more money elsewhere and and gain more money or adjust other things accordingly. Do you think Microsoft, Sony, or Nintendo for that? Well, I guess not Nintendo, really. But do you think Microsoft or Sony for that matter? We'll use Days Gone as an example. Just launched on PC. Mm -hmm. Do you really think they're salivating at the 30% they're getting through Steam or through Epic right now? No. (laughs) 30% of $9 isn't a lot of money. But, and like all jokes aside, Days Gone should be still considered a $50 game if it was worth $50. But it's not like Sony releasing this on PC is going to be what saves Naughty Dog and gives Naughty Dog a second chance at Days Gone 2. No, and it doesn't change the game in general. It just opens it up to more people. Reading this quote, I just look at it as like, okay, so what is is there like a second game being played in front of us that we're not seeing what? Okay. Like Microsoft looks less than evil in this situation. They, they very much look like they are people who are like, you know what? We're going to take the loss on this one. We're changing the game up, but Sony doesn't have to do shit. Sony can leave it at 30% if they want. And if I were Epic or if I were steam or what other big launchers carry Sony titles, or is it just mainly those two? Maybe Ubisoft? I don't know. Well, I mean, there would be like um, cross collaborations. But yeah, like two of the biggest game launchers on PC are Steam or Epic or Blizzard. But Blizzard has its own kind of thing and their own stuff. Do you think any of the either of these companies would be like, yeah, Sony definitely switched to 8812. And Sony would be like, no, I'd rather get the 30 <laughs> percent like. Yeah, no company's allergic to money, so they just. To I me, can't it, see Sony or Nintendo changing to that business what? model anytime soon. I can't see Nintendo ever doing that because Nintendo is just Nintendo doesn't even reduce the games they own. 
Like, yeah. did you see they had a $25 off this week and it was like five games? Yeah, like old games. Like they <laughs> Take $25 off this three-year-old game that we have kept at $79.99. Classic Nintendo. Same old Nintendo. So just continuing on this roller coaster of awesome news. Uh, Microsoft VP confirms today that Xbox hardware has never been sold at a profit. Again, in more leaked documents that came up in this court case. Mm-hmm. The landmark Apple vs. Epic court case has turned into a fascinating case thanks to all the information that keeps coming out of court documents and testimonies. Today, Microsoft VP Lori Wright was called to testify in court and finally confirmed what many in the industry had suspected all along. Gaming console hardware sells at a loss, unless it's Nintendo. And we've always suspected this on Sony. But... Mm-hmm. When it came to Microsoft, they're just building computers in different cases. They make, well, they definitely make their money. That's what, that's what a PlayStation is. It's a computer. Yes. <laughs> don't, a I understand what that. I'm just saying like the comparable and it's a shame that Microsoft stories didn't survive in Canada, but they were also the worst customer service experience ever. So I get it. That's where Microsoft makes their money, pre-built computers. Microsoft makes all their money on software. The fact that you could rent Word for $8 a month or the Office Suite for $8 a month, Bill Gates is just at home rolling in money, and he's not even really part of Microsoft anymore. Yeah, he's still worth like, what, $143 trillion or something like that? I don't know. Well, probably half that now. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> um, the, the thing is, is like, I don't, again, I don't, understand why this is such a big deal because it's also not really a surprise you know the playstation 5 guaranteed that's being sold at a loss the playstation 3 the the playstation 3 you know sold at a loss for for the longest time when it launched because at the time the tech in there was brand new right the the blu-ray drive and all that stuff uh and they it, it was cost them more to manufacture it than they were selling it for. And it sold like it launched at like $700, right? That's Sony's fault though. No, but the thing is like they were pushing new technology, you know, and the same, same thing could be said for the series X and the PlayStation five, you know, sure. um, High speed flash drives and flash storage is, you know, it, you can buy it and put it in your computer, but they are, making it the norm for home consoles, right? Like they're, they are making it more accessible for people and at a affordable price, right? Like if you wanted to build a computer that could give you the same, uh, power output, like graphical power and, um, like storage speed, as the Xbox Series X or the PlayStation 5, it would easily cost double, right? With all the components and everything that you have to buy to build that system. So they've they're they're pushing this technology and they're making it accessible for people to bring to their homes. And everyone knows that software sales are where they make the most money. Right? They want the hardware sales, they want people to have their system in their homes. But ultimately, that's a one-time purchase, right? 
sometimes a two times purchase if people want to have one in another room or at their cottage or whatever. But software sales is always what continues and drives companies mm-hmm. or these companies in general, right? So you you made mention, and I don't I don't want it to get buried as we transition, but you made mention to how the PS3 was trying to do that revolutionary thing where they had the Blu-ray player and the Xbox 360 didn't. But they ended up selling that console at a bigger loss than they would have if they would have just put in an HD drive like the Xbox did because of one very specific reason. The creators of Blu-ray were still upset about the whole HD DVD bullshit. We talk about Sony. Sony was... The creator of Blu-ray. I literally said that backwards. The reason the Xbox 360 did not have the Blu-ray capability and they finally got it into the Xbox One was because of the whole everybody was butthurt about that. Well, so, not exactly, though. No, there, there's a there's a lot more to it than that because Microsoft and Toshiba were developing the HD DVD format. Exactly. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with the fact that they were, you know, mad at Sony and all these their their Blu-ray, you know, organization. It's just that they were developing their own technology at the time. And Microsoft made the decision to just have a regular Blu-ray or sorry, a regular DVD drive in their system because the the technology or it wasn't exactly there yet, right? Whereas Sony was looking more to the future with, you know, this is how movies and games and, and digital content, it like things just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger, right? They need more storage space. Sony was putting their money where their mouth is, right? And, and investing in this format. And ultimately, it was the right choice, right? Because the PlayStation 3, you know, supported the, the higher density discs and had some amazing games on there that just weren't possible on the Xbox 360, right? Due to the smaller disc sizes. Um, Nintendo even had a high density disc that they they developed themselves, I think with Philips, it might've been, uh, developed a specific type of disc that, hold, no, that held 25 gigs per disc, but it wasn't a Blu-ray. So even the Wii U had higher density discs than the Xbox 360. And Microsoft did release the HD DVD drive, but that was a separate add-on and it was only for movies, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't until the Xbox One, yes, that they added a Blu-ray drive. Um, but licensing, like they're still paying Sony to license that, right? Sony's still getting money for them using the Blu-ray drive, but it makes sense nowadays because that's that's where everything is going. You know, you buy uh, the new Call of Duty game and it's, you know, 60 gigs on the disc there. Right? It's just not feasible on a Blu or on a DVD drive. But Microsoft and Sony are pushing these new systems with these very high-end specifications that are just not affordable for the average person like to buy a one terabyte uh pcie gen 4 m2 card for your pc Hmm. it's can it like on a cheap cheap end would be about 
$300, right? Well, that's half the cost of a PlayStation 5 or a Xbox Series X, right? So yeah, absolutely they're losing money on sales of these consoles. But everyone who buys, I, I would be surprised to see, how, I, I'd be interested to see the um, the numbers of people who have the Series X or the Series S who are also subscribed to either Game Pass Ultimate or just regular Game Pass. Because that's where they're making their money. Right? Yeah, and I, I'm willing to, I was going to say, two bold predictions coming out of this is going to be a, when when we ultimately see the Game Pass numbers. And then somebody trying to get it regulated. I apologize for getting that backwards. I was thinking Xbox the entire time. And then I was like, the PlayStation 3 and the Blu-ray, blah, blah, blah. That's how tired I am. Anyways, my biggest bold prediction. Are you ready for it? Are you holding up your butt? Yeah. I think after all the dust settles in this and the news of both Microsoft not making money and Sony, which we knew wasn't making money, especially on the PS5. I think the profit margins are going to change fairly soon. I did bit my tongue fairly soon <laughs> because A, there is a global hard drive shortage and B, there's a global graphics card shortage because everybody seems to be mining for any digital currency they can find. Where are people going to go if they can't build PCs to game? They're going to go to consoles. Supply and demand for consoles are going to increase again. Then you're going to see what we saw in November. Ridiculous amounts of, um, hey, I have an Xbox uh, Series X. You could buy it for $1,000. I got a PS5. You can buy this for $1,300. And the cycle is going to continue. But I think we're going to see a console boom in the next four to six months. Oh, yeah. Once once, um, manufacturing can ramp up again. It's not even that. It's... They're the predict uh, the prediction right now for hard drives, and I'm talking like good hard drives, not like portable like one terabyte hard drives. I'm talking like big hard drives. The expectation is we're not going to see a lot of them for computers at at a, a reasonable retail price until like middle 2022. You mean like solid state, right? Like SSDs. Yeah, yeah SSDs. Um, anything above, I can't remember what the article said. I think it was anything above five terabytes. It was going to be very hard pressed to see. And well, like industry people are buying them. Like you and I have a mutual friend uh, named Ian. And he is a video or he's a videographer and he works with a lot of red cameras. I saw his hard drive haul because he was so afraid of not being able to work properly without hard drives. And this guy bought, like I, I want to say it was about 50 terabytes worth of data or like data storage mm-hmm. because there's a shortage coming. Well, there already is a shortage. Like there has been for the last like six months. Right. But that this is all also like due to manufacturing issues, right. Due to um, a boat getting stuck in the canal, you know, boat getting stuck in canal, you know, warehouses and and factories being shut down or running at lower capacity so like there's a whole lot involved in this and and it won't be until you know the world in general starts kind of getting back to normal and on the manufacturing side of things and distribution side of things that we're going to start seeing uh more xbox and uh playstation units out there and just just because of these chip manufacturers, well, like uh, Samsung, uh, 
announced that they are probably not going to make a uh, Note Galaxy Note 21 due to shortage of microprocessor chips and and memory chips. Right? So like th- that's unrelated to video games, but it's the same same tech industry, right? Like so it's affecting a lot of a lot of places, but you know, it's it's no secret and like I said, it's no secret that game companies lose money on their initial console sales. The only person or only company that I think made a shit ton of money on their initial console sales was Nintendo with the Wii. Right? Like Wii sales pretty much blew anything out like out of the water and gave Nintendo enough money to run at a deficit for the next like ten years and mm-hmm. still still have money, right? It's a it's a it's crazy impressive that my, or Microsoft Nintendo could just stop doing what they're doing and still make money. Well, yeah, Nintendo just kind of does what they want to do. So I I want the leaked documents from Nintendo. I want to know how much money Super Mario 3D All Star or not 3D All Stars Super Mario All Stars for the Switch did. I, I want did fairly I, well. I want those leaked documents. I, I want to know I, why people are still selling them for 150. I think I think the marketing for that game was like spot on. <laughs> people bought it when it released, not only because like they wanted it, but people bought it because they knew that it was limited. So um to buy it right now on a google search amazon do you have it available it's in stock on amazon for 78.22 from deal tavern usa yeah so that's like a third-party seller right like i've I've seen you know i've i've seen it in walmart still right like a lot of stores haven't necessarily pulled it off their shelves like they should have uh they can still sell it Right. But it's a scalpers. It's where you see on the Kijiji and eBay, you know, people selling it for stupid high prices, trying to say that it's super rare when really it isn't. No, you can still buy it at EB games. And in all fairness, things have been locked down. So the websites might not be updated to what they could be. I mean, you can't buy shit in Ontario unless it's food. Have you have you walked through a Walmart recently? Yeah, it was like um, it, it felt like a zombie movie. Yeah, there's everything barricaded and stuff like that. Yeah, I got away with one. I grabbed a box of freezies that were behind a rope. Oh, you're bad. Yep, but I I did. (laughs) Officer, right here. (laughs) This man, right here. (laughs) This guy. This guy. So, uh, where we'll close that just because there's so much more to possibly talk about um, going forward, and I'm sure this is going to be a developing story where we talk about it next week and the week after that. It's Okay, you got us, Epic. You have everybody hooked. What are you showing us next? And I really want to see other companies get dragged. I have no idea why Microsoft's even involved in this fight. It's funny, but like it yeah. makes no sense. It's like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. All right, so we are a little bit more limited on time than we thought we would be. So I will save our game until next week. It's a special game. But can I tell you about something I was given permission to buy? Uh, And then we couldn't find it anywhere. And I got the green light to spend $300. Ooh, that's rare. Yeah. um, I saw a TikTok the other day um, for somebody who who had it early access. But there, I don't know if you've seen this, but there is a Luke and Leia's Legacy Lightsaber 
replica set. Oh yeah, I've seen those. And you open it and it plays music mm-hmm. and you get both lightsabers. I was like, Chris, can I buy this? <laughs> she just looked at me, she's like, Do you need it? I was like, you, Yes. <laughs> it wasn't you know, a- you, hold on, you know, right there when she said, Do you need this? That is uh code for no. <laughs> no, no, no. See, I've walked down this road before where I've said no to something I needed. And she said, then you can't get it. So I was like, yes, yes, I do. And she's like, why? I'm like, because it's a collectible item. And I love Star Wars. And we were talking about doing engagement photos. But do you um, love Star Wars? I, I, I love it like 2000. <laughs> I don't know. What do you want me to say? Like, I have a hard time in any lore remembering 800 characters names. You don't need to. Anyways, go on. So you you wanted to do some Star Wars. She she wanted to do a photo where I would have a light. I told you about this. I would have a lightsaber. She would have a wand of her choice from Harry Potter. And the editor would put it together above us. So like the lightsaber energy would meet the 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 wand's magic. This is what we talked about with our photographer. She thought it was really cool. We were going to do it. That's really awesome. And I was back and forth and I was like, what, what lightsaber do I want? Do I make a custom one and be like, it's no secret. My, my second favorite color is purple. I was like, Oh, can I have the Mace Windu one? And just argue that I I want just a purple one to be different, but whatever. And she said, yeah, I could buy it. And I looked online for about three hours and I couldn't find a single one relatively close to my price range. Like I could have put it on a credit card and paid tax on it and that would have been fine. But as soon as I started seeing them for like nine, 10 or like $900, a thousand dollars, I'm like, fuck that mm-hmm. not happening. But we have not a lot of time left. I want to just quickly talk about the bad batch and your initial thoughts, because I think it's important that we talk about it being the month of May and star Wars. So, Let me hear your initial thoughts. I know you're dying to hear mine because you or I was going all the way up until the show started being like, "Uh, do I have to watch the Clone Wars? And you're like, no, no, you don't. Uh, I I think so. The first episode was 75 minutes, which is great. The credits, you know, well, it was it was 70, 73 minutes (laughs) because the credits were literally like two minutes long which is great uh 75 minutes it takes place and it starts like oh yeah by the way spoiler alert uh <laughs> <laughs> it came out on tuesday people okay you should have watched it by now uh it takes place exactly where i was hoping that it would it takes place right at the end of or or kind of like in the middle ish of uh star wars episode three uh, so you get you get a little bit of a intro to where or what's going on um, and where these uh, clone troopers are kind of coming from. Uh, I thought that they that the story so far is really good. Like they did a really good job of kind of introducing these the clone. What is it? Clone tr- clone squad. Clone force ninety nine. Clone, clone squad ninety nine. Uh, which I know that they are in. I think season seven or whatever of Clone Wars. Um, but you, I, I haven't finished clone wars yet. Um, 
but I don't feel like I really needed to watch all of that to enjoy this. Uh, I think it's done a great job so far uh, in the first episode. Um, I'm really excited to see where things are going. Um, they've already introduced some characters from other series. They've actually apparently like they, they clarified or retconned a, um, a, uh, like a backstory or origin story for, I think it's Caleb who was in uh, star Wars rebels. I believe it is the young Padawan. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they, they've already started connecting this to other stuff. Dave Fellini is like, uh, the George Lucas of our time. Um, just a phenomenal star Wars universe creator. Um, he knows exactly how things flow and he's come, he, he has come up with so many good characters and stuff like that. He made Ahsoka, right? Like George Lucas gave him his permission to make a new Star Wars character, and it's Ahsoka's become one of the most like beloved Star Wars characters, right? I don't know. I like how overall, she argues with Anakin. <laughs> overall, I think the first episode was very well done. I'm really excited to follow along with this one. Um, yeah, like this could really go anywhere. Um, I hope that they really explore some some of the darker uh, sides of post uh episode three you know the nitty-gritty stuff that we've been hoping for for a while yeah so i was under the impression and i might have misheard somebody but i thought it was after episode six i was like these clones lasted that long (laughs) i was just (laughs) i was so confused i was like wow they, they live forever but I thought it was really cool how they introduced like Omega and how one of them was actually a reg opposed to mm-hmm. like them all being clones. Um, the one thing that I will say is my brief experience with Clone Wars so far, I've fallen in love with the animation style. And I originally looked at it kind of the same way people look at the Nickelodeon version of the Turtles. Mm-hmm. Where they have like sharper edges in their features and they look a little bit more polymetric, polymetric. Is that how it's Mm -hmm. said? Yeah. And when you look at this at face value, people are like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like I'd either prefer something completely animated or completely live action. And let's face it, 75 minutes of that kind of action versus what you would have to pay to make a movie that way. Very, very well done. And the, sorry, the, go ahead. The series it's it's finally in like 4K, so th- there's a lot more detail and just like the textures and stuff like that. Like they they, they have close up shots of uh, you know Grand Moff Tarkin and stuff like that, right? And that just the textures look like paintbrushes, right? Like there's a lot of detail in it. Oh, the dark like anything under dark light was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other thing I will say is like for the people, for the people, for the children. For the people who have seen Clone Wars or for the people who haven't seen it, the fact that the narrator is the same and they gave us uh, a, a like a what did we miss kind of like review of what was happening in episode three mm-hmm. was really well done. I didn't expect that. And I thought that really helped me get into it. I know Clone Wars and you do, you're not aware of this either because you haven't finished it. But I was told by numerous people that the Bad Batch really appears in the last uh, the last season and this final season of Clone Wars. 
and they really build this story going forward. So like these characters have been introduced. Yeah. People are already emotionally attached to some, uh, some of them. I already hate one of them and I hated him within the first 10 minutes. And, and it turns and that out was their he's goal. A dick. Yeah. That was their goal. Um, I think, well, I, I know that episode or sorry, season seven of the clone wars takes place at the same time as episode three. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense or, or, leading into the beginning of episode three. So there is someone made like an ultimate fan cut where they, they cut uh, episode three in with season seven of clone wars. I haven't watched it yet, but all all I know. And I like, I asked you for clarification and it was the only thing that really bothered me about the episode. And for that to be my only gripe was pretty impressive is okay. I know, um, General Grievous dies to the to the hands of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I watched it. We all watched it in theaters numerous times if you're David. But I would have loved them to adapt that so you got to see it again. Uh, see, the thing is that that would just be redundant. But right, like it's not. And the thing is, is the show is not from the perspective of anyone else but the clone force 99, right? That is what the show's primary goal and story is. You know, what really bothered me is that, uh, Omega is a clone, but Omega is also a female. So I hope that they, uh, they explore that a little bit because was she cloned from someone else or is she a clone from Django Fett and they've seriously manipulated and altered uh, his DNA to create a young female that looked nothing like him. That's actually a really good point. And I brought that up while I was watching it while Chris was playing Animal Crossing. But are they trying to develop another female heroine like they built Ahsoka and then eventually going to take her to live action? Because as much as we hate Kathleen and everything she's done to Star Wars, Star Wars is really pulsing off two ladies right now, Ahsoka and people still love Rey. I mean, people will always love Princess Leia and that's never going to change. Padme, same way, Padme all the way. But the new generation of Star Wars fans crave Rey and they crave Ahsoka. Those are the two. And maybe we see them fix Ray somehow in the animated world and bring her back. I have no idea. I know I was reading that she wants to be involved in the reboot and the canon correction, if that's possible. But if they're going to do Omega, they've got to do Omega right and bring her into like usher her in like they did with Ahsoka. That's all I'm saying. But I think one way to find out is by watching the rest of the series. Absolutely. But I think that's it for us tonight. Uh, that that was a, a little bit of a longer episode. We had a lot to talk about, a lot of Mortal Kombat to be exact. But if you like what you're listening to, please subscribe to us. Find us on all your favorite podcatchers. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. Find us wherever you social. We're there. Maybe not Twitter, but we'll see. For myself and for David, that's thank me. you for listening and have a great weekend. <laughs>